welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Real quick, I want I want a real quick note that even of just the 30-some people that are on here so far, I'm usually get up to, to a pretty big, a, a good number that I'm happy with anyway. I don't know. I would be happy if two people showed up. But to be honest... It is like if you all just look at the people on here real quick, right? From and I'm, I'm a, I don't have time to say everyone's name, but like Tracy Pinter and Chris Carson and Hot for Teaching and Levi Gonzalez and Kimberly Wallback and Cheyenne and John Lopez and Amy Russell and Leah Pratt. Like these are people. Like you all show up every week and are literally like giving up time on your Sunday. Like I just want to note this, like because it's not lost. On me. You're giving up time on your Sunday. You are meeting on here with one another, you are helping people out. And even if you are just listening, right? Even if it's Monday morning, you're on your way to work and you're just listening, you are a part of a community of people that are trying to make the world better and, and doing something not just for them. I mean, look, we become better teachers by being around other people, right? Like, like being around good people makes you a better person because I, I heard something in a, in a podcast yesterday that said, uh, you can't always meet your goals in life. Like there are goals that you might not meet, but something you meet every day are your standards. And so the people that you're hanging out with, if they're eating right, if they're exercising, if they're reading more, if they are being good parents, if they're trying to be a good spouse, you are going to be a better spouse if you hang out with people that are good spouses. So I hang out with people that are really great to their wives. And then it makes you you want to like even be better for your wife. Like, or if you hang out with someone that's a really good dad, I look at that dude and I go, damn, like, so like up in his game, I got like up my dad game. Now it makes you want to raise your standards in life. And I just think that you all are doing that on here by showing up every week. And I, I just think that's awesome. Like we're doing, we're doing a thing that's important and we're showing up every week and doing it together. So even um, for the people who are just listening, even, the even the people that are just listening, like you're literally putting something in that you think is going to bring value and that is making you a better person, um, which is ultimately making you a better person to be better to other people, which is awesome. So I just wanted to say that. Um, and after all that, my name is CJ Reynolds and I run this uh, YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, and um, which is turning into sort of a global empire. Uh, which is kind of awesome, but um, a global empire that we don't make any money from. Babe, we are currently. going to watch. Um, but so here's what it is. Uh, I make a channel where teacher help stuff on it. This is also uh, a live chat that we do every single Friday or Sunday night at 5 p.m. Eastern time to help people be the best teachers that they can be. And it's sort of like help you out with some of that Sunday night um, fear that you have, which I'm feeling a little bit of tonight, to be honest, because tomorrow's my first day back from break and I'm, I'm feeling, I'm getting the feels about it. Um, so the other things that, that exist are, this exists as a podcast on anywhere that you can get podcasts. Just look up, uh, is it, what is it? Real Rap with Reynolds, Teacher Talk or something like that. Yeah, yeah I don't even know the name of my own podcast. My man Jake hooks it all up. And then Fridays, there's also the classic episode. So like last week was a conversation that I did with my friend, Miss Tanner, who has a book out, who's a really great teacher. And those come out on Fridays and you can listen to those as well. There's also a book coming out in April, it looks like now, um, called Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. It got published by Dave Burgess' company, Burgess Consulting. And... 
I don't know, then there's mentoring and I can continue to speak at your school or I can, you know, meet you for ice cream or what, I don't know. There's all kinds of other stuff going yes, on too. Um, but look, right now, let's answer some questions. So go ahead and throw your question in the, in the uh, little chat there. And if, look, so do not be alarmed. Some random person you don't know goes in, starts answering your question because that's what we're here for. This is not the CJ show, although it is called Real Rap with Reynolds and I am Reynolds. Um, this is about helping each other out. And so other people are going to help you out with that stuff as well. Um, Rafa is asking, I think that's right. Rafa, Rafa, I apologize. Um, Mr. Reynolds, who makes the best Philly cheesesteak? This is such a good question. Look, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation out there about this. All right. Philadelphia is known for its cheesesteaks. And when you go for a cheesesteak, a lot of people are going to tell you Pat's or Gino's are the best. And I will admit, Pat's and Gino's are very delicious. Pat's looks a little cooler. Gino's looks like it's like step cousin. That's like the dirty version across the street from it. Pat's looks like it belongs in Vegas. Um, they're good if you need like a midnight. You were out for a few beers and now you want a cheesesteak. My wife is nodding to me they're on the, the side. They're open the latest. I, I think it's 24 hours. Oh, is it? Yeah. And so like that's a good spot. My money is on Jim's cheesesteaks. Jim's steaks is on South. South Street. I think it's the corner, maybe the corner fifth and South. And I get it um, with. So you go and you ask for a cheesesteak with, which means they put fried onions on there. And I think they have the best cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. But, you know, that's... That's my opinion. Good question. Wait, wait, to kick it off right. Uh, John Lopez, my man, Captain Calligraphy, is that's a good name. <laughs> I am Captain Calligraphy. That would be an amazing superhero. That would be like in Mystery Men. Remember that movie when people yes. had strange superpowers? Anyway, John Lopez is asking if you were given the chance to air to do air drumming in your class, which songs would you choose? Uh, Man, a music question always so hard to see. That's a tough question, man. It would depend on what I was doing. It would depend on what the lesson was because I have to connect the song to the lesson. Um, but I'm actually thinking about in this next iteration of my hip hop class, uh, bringing my drums into school. So I play drums. A lot of people don't know this. I play drums since the fourth grade. Um, and I've been in many bands, and that was sort of the dream before I became a teacher. It was one of the many dreams I had. And so I've been thinking about bringing drums in to talk about basic beats and uh, and the difference between like different drums and what you're hearing and how that impacts the music that you're listening to and stuff like that. So I don't know, but I, I'm going to have to say it has to be a Van Halen song. Thinking like, of course. you know, Hot for Teacher would be a good song <laughs> and hilarious no. at the same time. Yeah, dude, the beginning of that song is brilliant. It is it literally, is. it's David Lee Roth's Lamborghini playing and then they start playing drums to the lamborghini because it's the only car that keeps perfect time so that means you need a lamborghini i don't need a lamborghini i just need i would be great if david lee roth came in and <laughs> you know i did dedicate the book to him so that was fun a portion part of it it was also you and the kids but then it was also yes daily that's actually um a true story <laughs> So Brooke is asking, planning a lesson for seniors on the Victorian era. Any suggestions? Tomorrow is my first day of internship in teacher education program. So first of all, congratulations. That is awesome. Um, Victoria era, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go uh, with, I like the poetry of that era. And I like, um, I thought Fra Frankenstein is from that era too. I'm looking at you like you, you have any idea. Um, I don't know exactly. Here's what I would do. 
is, and this is a good good plug for this anyway. I would one ask anyone here that has an answer for that. That like I don't I don't teach seniors anymore. I've been teaching some of the same stuff for so long, and I interject other things, but like. I've been out of that realm for so long that I kind of forget uh, what is what I would really pick on a whim. Like it's it's hard. The other, so I'm going to ask if anyone has a, a response, please put that in the in the chat. And then I would go into the Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook. It's a closed group. Drop your question in there, and I guarantee you, you get a ton of responses um, on there. And so you know, go do that now, and I'm sure that you'll get a ton of things, and it will help you in your journey through your program as well to just be attached to that sort of group of people that are in there because they're awesome. Uh, next question, Amy Russell, my buddy is asking, what is the best way to start a new semester after an emergency surgery? And I feel like I'm practically hobbling in, not strong yet or filled with purpose, still catching up, it's not like me. So I would say this, Amy, um, one, if we're honest, right? If most of us are honest, we did not, do the work over break that we thought we would do. And this is always the case, right? You think you're going to get all that grading done. You're going to come up with a new bulletin board idea and work on some new worksheets and lesson plans and stuff. But then you sat there and watched all the Marvel movies on Disney plus. And I'm not saying that that's exactly that. the way we did. Cause my wife just decided that she likes Marvel movies and now we've been rewatching all of them, but it may have been what happened to us. And I didn't do, anything right and i'm maybe my employers watch this i don't really know i didn't do anything i went to school yesterday and cleaned up my room and made sure it was neat and organized and wiped down and, and stuff like that for like an hour um but that was it but but i didn't plan anything i'm going to do that a little bit tonight but you know i think amy more than anything it's being honest with yourself being honest with your students Again, look, what'd you do over break you know what i did i had emergency surgery and that has me feeling like this right now so this is how this next week or two weeks or month or however long your recovery is, is going to go down, I could really use your help. And what you're doing, I think when we tell kids that is one, we're showing kids that we are not perfect and that we are struggling with things and going through things ourselves. The worst thing you could do is hide that from your students. Now, look, I don't know that you need to share exactly what the surgery was about. That depends on you. Like if you had something horrific or sad happen, that's one thing. If it was emergency, like rotor cuff, is that even a thing? Um, if it was emergency, like, I don't know, belly button like, surgery, like maybe that's not as big of a deal and you can share that, right? Like, but anytime I've ever shared, you know, that someone passed away, that I needed a root canal, that, you know, my wife was going through something because my wife has surgeries, like their hobbies, it felt like for a few years there. Yeah, right. So like um, sharing that kind of stuff, it felt like was really important. It also gives your students a chance to practice empathy, which is something that we are in in tall need of in, in um, I think, in always. I don't want to say like right now because I'm, you know, for years, this, this is like an ongoing thing. How can we teach our students empathy by giving them opportunities to be <laughs> empathetic? And so that's what I would do. So I hope that your recovery is quick and um, that that works. Um, so best of luck to you, Amy. Uh, Maisha is asking another person that we see on here quite often. I have a student who's, uh, who's a constant apologist. She would apologize for, uh, for what misstep she, wait, I'm thinking I'm reading this wrong. She would apologize for what misstep that she does being talkative, using her cell phone in class all the time or falling asleep in class. Um, is that the end of that? Or is there like a, what do I, I'm oh. assuming it's a, like, what do I do? Yeah. This happens frequently 
and there is no change in this behavior. Any input or suggestion is welcome. So look, I think there's two kinds of kids that do this. I have students that have done this and are really like not really apologizing. They just go, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. It won't happen again. I meet that with, I find that coming down hard on those students doesn't really work, but definitely being consistent. So they know it's not a surprise. If you had your phone out and I take phones if, if they're out my, so I have two different versions. If it was a quick thing, if your phone rang and you didn't really mean it for it, or I heard a ding or whatever, um, it, or like when Periscope was a thing and you'd hear like that, um, I just didn't make a big deal of it, bro, just turn that off and it's not a big deal. But if it's a consistent thing, I take it and then I do something weird with it. Like I hide it in my room or I wrap it up in paper towels and duct tape or like, you know, a lot of other things I don't really recommend other people do. But that's, I would treat that with something so ridiculous that they would never want to do it again, right? Um, the, the flip side of that is kids that can't help but apologize for everything. Beast, I'm not playing ball with you right now. He's literally dropping his ball at my feet. Like, like you don't see what I'm doing right now? Um, I think having a conversation with a student and saying, look, this is what I'm noting. Um, I'm not judging it. I'm noting it. And I need you to know that you don't have to apologize all the time. So our son does this all the time. And it's part of his autism, I think. But like, it, he apologizes for everything so profusely. Like, it like hurts his feelings that he caused you any, like, not even harm. Like, what would you say? Dismay? Like, disappointment? Yeah, like, like he likes, dislikes disappointing people yeah. so much. That he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it's like, dude, it's okay. I love you. I don't love your behavior right now. I don't like the thing that you did. I don't like that you were screaming at your friends on Fortnite today. When I was trying to take a nap on the couch when I should have been planning, but it wasn't. But I was taking a nap. But like, <laughs> it's it's literally like trying to like let them know that with me, you don't have to do that. It's good, bro. You don't have to apologize all the time. And then just re gently reminding them of that situation. So that's kind of, I hope that helps, but that's, that's the two situations I'm thinking about. Um, the one dreamer is asking, I have a question. I am planning to teach conversational French on YouTube as a teacher. What's your top tips to keep your thoughts organized? Um, remember that, like, I don't know how comfortable you are with editing, but that's what I do. I say, um, way too much. Like if you even hear me on this live feed, I say, um, about 97 times to the point where I can't listen to myself because I get on my own nerves. Um, and then, um, you just keep saying, um, so just edit that stuff out. I make short, quick edits and then it just makes sense to me and know that you can, you don't have to memorize something. When I was, whenever I've tried to memorize anything for a video, I realize I just don't have it. I don't have the short-term memory and I'm sure I could develop that and I could build it, but it's not that important to me. So I don't fix it. So I just try and remember, like I'll write out a quick list of bullet points and then I just vibe off those bullet points and I just edit where needed. And so that's, that's what I would suggest doing. Sometimes it helps to just like write something out on a whiteboard or have my notes like next to my computer so I can see them. But you definitely don't want to be like reading off something. Whenever I've seen anyone that makes a video and I feel like they're looking off to the side like this and they're reading something and then it sounds really nice and fluid and they're doing it, but they also sound like the small print at the end of a car commercial. That's like annoying. And I feel like you're not 
engaging with me. Like right now, I could look at myself on the screen and stare at myself the whole time, which is weird because then I see myself the whole time. But instead, I have to look at this little tiny black dot at the top of my screen. And that's a little bit weird, but that's what you're doing. So like looking at the camera, not reading your notes, and then just remembering that you are a person. Like you don't have to stand there like this. You can move around. You can use your hands. You can talk. Like be, and that will come with time. You get more natural at doing this stuff and looking at that little dot right there instead of looking at yourself all the time. Um, those would be my two biggest pieces of, of information. Uh, question, how do you hold students accountable and on task during group work? Uh, I, one, have found it useful that I have students give each other grades or I will say your group has 20 points. I need you to divvy them up as you see fit. And then it is, they're not allowed to tell each other what they're going to give one another. They just write it silently. So like if you feel like you didn't do that much work or if you feel like your partner did zero work, but this person did some work and this person did half of the work, then you are helping one another out uh, or you are, you are sort of like divvying up those points and no one has to know about it. And then I have a better sense of like who actually did the work. Did Cephas do most of the work and Ham did none of the work and the Davis twins just sat there? Like I, I know that now. The other thing is <clears throat> um, making kids responsible for specific things. So you are in charge of reading. You're in charge of writing. You're in charge of drawing this thing. Like everyone has a different task so that when, it's, when that project or that assignment is handed in, you see all the different people's actual pieces. The other thing is keeping groups small. We all know that a group of two works well. A group of three works okay. A group of four, that dude's usually not doing anything. Anything over three kids, that dude's probably just sitting there and not really doing work. And how do I know that? Because I may have been that kid in high school that just went off the good graces of everyone else. I think also giving like timestamps for this particular part of the assignment needs to be done in five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. That's all you have. And then letting them know, all right, we only have this much time left. We have this much time left. And then that's going to be a constant reminder. The other thing is get into it with them. Students that if you're asking kids to get on a bike and ride it, if they're not real sure how to ride a bike, you might have to get on behind them and kind of push them out. Right. And like, get them going. And once you get going, that momentum builds and it's much easier to ride the bike than to do the assignment, to write the paper, because you've helped them scaffold it, you've modeled it, and now you're pushing them off to do it. And that's a good way to kind of get them going. Um, and then just keep circulating around the room. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to see, we're talking about basketball or the Eagles game my side because the Eagles are in the playoff game now. And they're talking about stuff. And then as soon as they see, they're like, oh, so what I was saying about uh, the novel was I really liked the part where they did the thing. And it's like you're minimizing that because you're moving around the room and not to catch kids. But I always do. I go, bro, I know exactly what you're doing. You were talking about girls two seconds ago. And I walked over here. Stop talking about girls. Talk about this because girls like dudes that are successful. And right now you're not. So let's get after you. Um, <laughs> I teach all boys, by the way. That's why I only ever talk about boys. Um, hot for teaching. Hey, hey, hey. Top teaching is asking, so dumb. I don't know why I do that all the time. How do you build relationships with your students? I am introverted and shy and it's hard for me. Any tips would be helpful. So I would say, look, I get this question a lot. I have a lot of videos about this and I speak about it in my book a lot too. That is not out yet. So that doesn't really serve you at the moment. I think I'm clearly not 
introverted in the least. Um, I'm the guy that like, if I go to a bar and I don't know anyone there, I'll have three best friends by the end of the night. Cause I just, just how I rock it. But talking with my wife, who's like, would you say you're introverted? Uh, the older I get, the more introverted I am. Really? Cause you talk to everybody at the food store all the time in the checkout. I, it's, I don't know. I vary. I, I go, but I'm not one or the other. I'm both. It depends on my mood. It depends yeah. on the situation. You're not like a party on, person though. Like, I'm not. I hate parties. They make me super anxious. So I feel like in our conversations, <laughs> like you're a good person for me to bounce this stuff off of because I, I, um, am the opposite. Like I like yeah. going out. I like making friends. So I think the best way to kind of go about I, mean, I like small talk because I'm just nice. And I think there's not enough people in the world that are just nice. So I'm just nice and kind and nice. caring to people. Like, and that's why I do that. Not because I enjoy small talk, really. I just want to try and spread the love. Yeah. I'm just trying sprinkle to magic on people at the food store. Sure, there you go. I love it. So I would say that what I try to do is, is just, I think one is being visible. I think being in the hallway, in the lunchroom, in the parking lot, wherever your students are congregating, being visible makes people more approachable. And so that's going to help you build relationships. If a student wants something or needs something or or you want something or need something, it's easier when you see each other more. When you just see each other in that window in which they are in your classroom, it makes it hard to build a relationship. And so I, I liken this to, as a kid, there was always that one aunt or uncle, like my, aunt, my both my aunt and my uncle, and sometimes older cousins would like come to the kids table. They come in the basement and see what video games we we're playing. They come out back if we we're playing wiffle ball or if we were playing football or something. And they would just hang or play with us for a little bit or ask questions. And that made them like you more familiar with them, which made approaching them easier if you needed to later. As opposed to like one aunt or uncle that come over and like pinch your cheek and they're like, look how big you've gotten. And you're like, this is so weird. I don't know how I handle this situation. Cause you don't see them that often. If they pinch your cheek more, they would maybe you would get along with them more, but we should, they should, we should really bring back. When we have grandkids, let's pinch their cheeks. Um, it'll just be great. Uh, and so that's such a weird thing. Anyway, um, I think that's part of it. The other thing is just thinking of small things that you could ask someone, like plan out questions. Hey, um, can you tell me about this shirt that you have on right now? Or what's your favorite, like what movie do you like? And then if once you look, it's just like in school, like I was really introverted when I was in high school and my freshman and sophomore year anyway, it was, but once you find the connection point between two things, it becomes far easier to have a conversation because you have a thing to talk about. So what I do when I find introverted students is if I know that they like a certain TV show, I will watch it. a certain movie. I watch it. If they're into a certain kind of book, I'll look into it. Like, I find interest in what they're interested in. And now we have a common thing to talk about. And I think that just doing those two things, being visible and trying, even on a small scale, right? With find like the quiet, nerdiest, strangest kid, find out what they're interested in. And then you have a connection piece. And then that's something you can talk about with your students now. And it's not this struggle because you have a, a common uh, interest. Even if, first of all, or lastly, even if that interest is fabricated, I don't like a lot of the stuff I talk to my students about. I'm not that interested in, <laughs> but I do it anyway. Oh, so Romina, who's one of my favorite students ever, she actually wrote the foreword to my book. Um, Romina just was over for dinner recently. And she said, we were talking about this idea. And Romina says, um, 
yeah, like when you used to come in and talk to me about Twilight all the time, it's like when Twilight was really big. And <clears throat> I said, yeah, but I didn't like Twilight. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, <clears throat> I used to call my wife's sister in New Mexico, who liked, <laughs> who was kid also, who liked Twilight. And I'd be like, yo, Kayla, you got to tell me about these Twilight books because I, and you'd know it for a student of mine. And then I watched the movies. I never read the books. And she was like, you didn't like Twilight? And I was like, no, I watched all that stuff <laughs> for you. And she like, was she had to hold in shock. She texted me later. Another adult was yeah, here. Yeah, I had another friend here and she didn't want to cry in front of them. She's like, I went home and sobbed my eyes out. And she texted me later. She's like, I it, like I almost couldn't stop not crying because I never realized that you did that just for me. And I'm like, well, of course I would do that. And so that like blew her mind. And it was so funny <laughs> that she thought I had a genuine interest though. And so I'm like, really? Like, oh, I love her. She's, she's a grown man. It would have been odd if I did have that heavy of an interest in Well, Absolutely. let me tell you, I was breaking down the film. And the children, right? Like at that age, they have no clue. No. Like, so yeah, it was really one away. of the sweetest moments. Like, I it was like just wanted to hug her immediately. I just want to say also, I think if you're shy, it's one of those things that you have to just exercise the muscle to make yourself do, just like you did with running, right? Small little incremental movements to breaking out of your shell can, can lead to big things. Yes. It's yes. just as simple as that. Uh, Francisco is asking, uh, how should I, should I, uh, should you, blah, 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 I'm learning to read tonight. Should you start this semester, like a new class, like going over expectations and rules or go straight into content? Look, I, I that's a great question. I am planning on going back and doing like, I'm going to just jump right into my lesson, right? So when the kids come in, it's Monday morning, it's vocab words, it's a quick journal. And then when they're done writing the journal, everyone's quiet during journal writing. It's like, all right, how was your break? Let's be mindful. This is how much time we have left in the year. This is what I'm trying to get done. This is what I'm excited about. Can you give me water while you're in there, buddy? Um, this is what I'm excited about. This is what I have coming up. This is what I have planned. Um, and it's like, more than going over expectations and rules, which are fine, right? Because I have like classes that are going to get seating charts tomorrow that haven't had seating charts in months, but I think they need that uh, right now. And then we that might loosen up as the year goes on, but for right now, that's what they need. It is more about the fact that nobody wants to come back to school tomorrow. Well, largely, no, no one wants to come back and learn probably. There are students that have had a hard time over the break that didn't want to be home that are looking for that reprieve, I'm sure, of coming back to school. But there are very few kids that are like, can't wait till we start reading Merchant of Venice tomorrow, Mr. Reynolds. It's going to be great. Because um, it's not. Because it's not my favorite Shakespeare play that no one ever was excited about reading it probably. But um, the idea there is I want to get them excited about being back and at least let them know that even if you're not excited, I need you to know that I'm excited because I have cool stuff planned and this is what we're about to get into because I need to like my job every day, right? It's not even that I like my job every day. Here's the thing. I need to like my job every day because otherwise I'll just be a miserable human being. So how do I figure out ways to like my job? I have to invent them. I have to manufacture them. I have to come up with things that excite me about school just as much as it excites the students because then I'm excited to give the assignment, to do the thing, to act something out, to be silly, to have some sort of creative project, to get involved in things with my students. I have to manufacture that. And so that is that's so I would go in and and get your kids excited about stuff and say, look, 
new seating chart, but that's because we need to get this done and I want you to be successful. So that's how we're going to do it. I don't, I don't make it like it's an arduous thing or a scary thing or because I'm mad at you or because I don't think you're being successful enough. It's like, no, um, I'm going to teach you how to like, this is what we're going to do to get to this end. And this is how it's going to work. Oh, I'm drinking out of a Mason jar again. Mm-hmm. Look at me looking like it looks like hippie time in here. <laughs> Stop it. I feel like I'm drinking moonshine. You're so corny. I bet Richard Royster has moonshine down there in Kentucky. You're on the right one. I never had moonshine before. I feel like it would make either you have more hair on your chest or it would make all the hair on your chest just fall out immediately. <laughs> like when, I don't know. That was dumb. I'm going to move on. Next question. Cheryl is, is asking, um, can I find a teaching job in your area? Uh, Cheryl, I think that most people, it depends on where you are willing to teach. Like our school had like, I don't know, 50% of the teachers leave last year or something like that. So there was a whole lot of teaching jobs available last year. Um, And that's a lot of schools in the city, but it's like, what kind of school are you willing to teach at? But I would say the older I get and the more I teach, I think it's really important to do two things in life. One is, so Mr. Rogers used to say, I like you for who you are not for who I want you to be. So although like when in life, we know people and we know that they're not really that good of a friend. We know that they're not that good of a family member or that good of a person, or we just have really high hopes for what we thought they could be, right? Like if I put work and love and time into this person, they're going to be something more. And that is oftentimes not true. People are who they are. I'm not saying people can't change, but sometimes there's no level of goodness in us that's going to change something in someone else. I think that same rule applies for schools. We can show up and see all the potential that exists in a school. The principal could be so great. The vice principal could be great. The football team could be great. My classroom could be amazing, but it is about seeing schools for who they are And could you live with that? If it never got better, if my wife never changed, could I still remain married to her? The answer is yes. Like there's, it's only, it's only like we've, but we've, and that's a little bit different of a conversation because we've really put work into our relationship over the last 25 years. And so, but if she never changed, would I be happy with that? Yes. If my kids never changed, would I be happy with that? Like. Is that good to know? Maybe I shouldn't have told you that because now you're not going to try and grow <laughs> as a human being anymore. No. But think about that when you're going for interviews. It's like, if I got the school right now as is, could I live with that? And then that, I think, frees you up to like really do some great work there. But if you're hoping they're going to become something else, then that's something else. Um, but yeah, there's always jobs available. I have no idea how to find them. I haven't had to jo- find a job in a long time. But uh I'm sure somebody on here would Google it. Can someone tell us how you get a job? Where do you, where is everyone finding jobs now? Like, do you go on Craigslist? Do you go on like, is there like a school website thing? I don't, I don't really know. Because California uses that. What is that? Website? California, yeah, and that's why it's tough because California uses. Uh, what, I did a talk for them. Ed, sir? No, no, that was that online publication. Wow. Uh, I forget, but like every state's kind of different. So yeah, I wonder if, oh, there you go. Tracy Pinter put it up there. K12jobspot.com. Oh, Ed Join. Ed Join. That Ed was the Stone. one I did the talk for. Uh, 
Oh yeah, John Lopez. That uh, I did it. I was in San Diego. I did like two talks for them last year, and they gave me a booth, oh which was gosh. that's the one that they gave me the booth. Oh, and yeah, I was like, yeah. I don't, I don't sell anything. What do I need a booth for? <laughs> so I just sold myself at the booth, and I bought like this big TV from Walmart, and I put it in there. That I quickly returned to Walmart <laughs> <laughs> when I was done. Um, and like we made all these TVs out of cardboard and stuff. It's on my Instagram, like from a couple years ago. Summer Hayward is asking. What is the best policy? Hi, Summer, by the way. I see you on here a lot as well. Um, what is the best policy you found for missing work test retakes? I give students, so it depends on the situation. If you were apt, all of my assessments take place on a Friday, unless there's like a quiz that's checking for understanding midweek. Everything is on a Friday. And then if someone misses Friday, they have, they can retake it on Monday. Or if you're absent multiple days, like you were sick, my general policy is you have as many days as you missed to um, make something up. That being said, if a kid comes to me and says, Reynolds, I have this much work and this many tests to make up. Can I do yours next Friday or Thursday or whenever? If you are willing to advocate for yourself and come in and have the conversation, I'll, I don't care when you take it. Largely, I mean, unless it's like I don't want it to be weeks away, but like if you need an extra week or whatever, it's cool, dude. Just come to me when you can come to me and, and we'll put on the books and, and we'll make that plan. Um, retakes. Uh, so any most tests in my class, you can retake unless it's like a short check for understanding quiz. Then there's no retakes on that. Like if it was like you were supposed to read this week and you didn't. And now you want to retake that quiz. If you saw the questions, eh, no, because it means you didn't do the work. But uh, if there's like a vocab test that's um, 10 words or more. Um, say uh, you can retake that on Monday before school, during lunch, or after school, never during class, because I don't want to take away from class time. <clears throat> so it's a retake. So you're already getting a lot being allowed to retake something. So you have to come in on your time to be able to retake it. And so that's fine, too. And, and if the kid can't do it that Monday, then they just have to come in and speak with me and say, hey, look, I have to go to the dentist after school. I have football practice. There's tryouts. You know, I have to pick up my little brother, whatever it is. Then we plan for like, all right, well, what day can you do it on? Because what I, the only thing I don't want to do is give out tests. Um, when someone still needs to take something, I don't want to give everyone back something because that sucks. So I try to give out, I give back all work on Wednesdays. So Fridays are assessments, Mondays are retakes, Wednesdays, I give everything back. So you'll get everything that you, all your work, all your tests, everything from the week before all come back on Wednesdays, right when we're done independent reading time. And then that just is my plan and how it works. Um, Joanne, who I see on here a lot too. I don't know if I'm going to keep saying who I see on here a lot because I feel like I'm going to miss someone, but I do see you on here all the time, Joanne. Joanne Markov is asking, uh, how did running every day for a year ago? I bought a spin bike used an offer up, not uh, yeah. that crazy, uh, so she didn't do the Peloton, which is like crazy money. Uh, I know that's- Oh, a but a Peloton looks so nice. Burgess has been rocking that Peloton every day. I know. And I'm going to try to do it every day. All I am all about streaks. If it is broken, I give up 100%. So here's, I, ju I literally just made the video before this, and I'm gonna edit that this week and get it out. So for those of you that don't know, I ran 365 days in a row for a year. Started last year on December 10th and ran all year. And it was a really great experience. But really, like saying that it was hard is such an understatement because it was incredibly difficult. It was like through all kinds of weather, through depression, through sadness, through deaths, um, holidays, 
forgetting that I needed to run and running in my dress clothes, like after driving home from a conference or running, like just like a really long, just long, yeah. Like there were days when you're just like, I don't, don't want to do this. So it went incredible. And I, I'll tell you my biggest takeaway from it is one, my calf muscles are the largest that they've ever been. And it's really funny because I feel like <laughs> when Popeye had those stupid big forearms and like, that's what my calf muscles feel like now. Um, and two, I, I, I'm not lying when I say this, I literally feel like I could achieve anything this year, like anything I want to do. Like I ran every day for a year. And even though that minimum amount was only a mile, I feel like if I want to learn Spanish this year or learn to play the piano or run a marathon or, or an ultra marathon, like I could do that. Um, so this year I'm going to, my challenge is to do, uh, 10 pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups every single day. And I'll tell you what, 10 pull-ups, when you can't do friggin' one, is hard. That's a hard challenge. Like, there, the other night I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I literally don't know if my body will let me do all the pull-ups. So, but it feels like a small enough of amount that if I can get to just doing pull, 10 pull-ups a day minimum, um, I'll be able to just knock them out in one session. Uh, and then I think my challenge, and I this summer is going to be, I want to run the world's toughest mudder, uh, which is an eight to 10 mile obstacle course race in the mud. And I'm excited because I feel like, I feel like I want to see if like people want to do that with me. I don't know who's crazy enough and is in the Philadelphia area because it's just outside of Philadelphia. But like if anyone watching any of my, the one that watches us on YouTube or on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, like wants to do it, like that could be a really fun thing to do as well. Like, I w- that would be awesome if when we go to Burgess's conference in San Diego. Oh, you would have so many people if, that would do it. Like there. I could get like Adam Welcome or Ryan Sheehy or any of those crazy the, bastards like to do it with me. We'll look up the list. Of yeah, where see if anything's are. out there during that time. Mm-hmm. That would be so fun because Adam would be like, "Yes, let's do it." But we will do it faster than everyone else, <laughs> and we will run like pirates. Adam Welcome wrote "Run Like a Pirate," and uh, kids deserve it, and a bunch of other books, and he's just like. He's like, to say that guy's a, a go-getter is like a total understatement. When you just hang out with him, you feel like you have to like, you're st- talking about raising standards. You feel like your standards are like much higher. Like I will eat clean all week. We will run on the elevator so that as not to waste this opportunity. <laughs> um, so yeah, I need another question. That that's, that's the same. Oh, I just sorry. Yeah, I believe in streaks also. Like if I if I break it, I just like, uh, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. So I have to like, that's why I have to do. That's why for me, the challenge is every day. It's not every other day. It's not once a week. It's like has to be like this every single day or I'm, or I just won't do it. And CJ doesn't train or prep for anything. He just jumps in. I've decided he's every time he comes up with an idea or something i just think you're very much like david goggins where you just decide to just do it and if you kill yourself in the process yeah. it's okay it's first of all that's of a process. little bit you're but it's same idea right he's he, that dude's like amazing right but. so he's like insano but you it's same premise you just jump in no prep no train no i would look no. up a thousand things and no look when i started running i didn't even have running shoes no i because i don't like running. buying the supplies to do the thing like I would, I don't think I'd like if I, when I started riding a bike, I just borrowed a bike from someone and then I yeah. started riding it. Like it yeah. was, but if I, and the reason for that, like I don't put myself on a pedestal for that. It's actually kind of dumb sometimes, but like, well, it's dangerous when I started sometimes. swimming, 
I would go to the swim club at five o'clock in the morning with the UPS guy. I didn't have goggles. I didn't have, I had board <laughs> shorts like for surfing. I know, not even like actual. Yeah, and then I just started swimming. I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. I did like come home at night because it was so hard. I'd come home at night and like watch videos on how to swim. And that's how I got better at it. And then, um, then I bought those sexy man swim shorts <laughs> that are like super awkward to walk around in and like actual goggles and stuff like that. Like, yeah. but that was after I did it for like, well, that's because you can't weeks. swim in board shorts, like laps. They literally pull. Like, yeah. The no, you feel like you run faster when you are, are swim faster. And yeah. even when I biked, I was like riding in regular, I was like, my butt was all sore. And then I bought those <laughs> sexy man shorts for that too. They have like butt pads in them and stuff. And, um, but I didn't even wear the gear for that. I just looked like, a, I looked like a jackass. I looked like a lunatic. Come on, they're sexy man shorts. No. Oh, yeah, girl. They're like they're like a short version of my manitards that I wear. Oh, Lord. Next question. Those are sexy man pants. Um, question from Jake, Jacob Ingram is asking, tomorrow my sophomores are starting off Mice and Men. What are some things that you've done to make that book really engaging and successful? Hope you had a great break. I did have a great break, Jacob. Um, I love reading of Mice and Men. Um, if, so let me think about first thing I do is I talk about the dust bowl and I talk about how people got to this situation. So what is the situation? I also talk about John Steinbeck. who's like one of my favorite individuals ever. John Steinbeck used to do this thing in his house where he measured every single person that came to his house, which is a weird thing, right? Like stand against the wall, put a pencil on the top of your head and measure you, whether it was someone there to fix his plumbing or it was some famous movie actor actress or just a family friend everybody was measured in his house i saw that was cool i talk about travels with charlie and i talk about this time that he and his dog charlie traveled all around the country and how does john steinbeck know how characters like george and lenny would have interacted or what it was like to be in that situation traveling around from job to job when you could get it because he actually went out there with workers and like got to know them learn their stories and then use that for his book um, and I love that also. I play music behind a lot of it, but the biggest thing we did was we started reading of Mice and Men as a play. John Steinbeck wrote a play that mirrors the book a hundred percent, but it just cuts out some of that like sort of like the imagery that's um that's beautiful. But for my students, especially the lower reader, the low level readers or the kids that really struggle with attention um or keeping their attention on something. It allows us to read as a play. So now instead of one person, it's at least two, excuse me, at least two people, sometimes up to six people or more that are reading all together, plus someone's in charge of sound effects, plus someone's in charge of direction. And we read in a circle. And so that made it far more engaging for my students. So that was a really great idea too. And, and when I didn't have money for copies of that, I bought, this is illegal, I think, but like I bought one copy of it on Amazon for I don't know, 10 bucks or whatever it is. And then I would just make copies of the pages we were reading each day and just enough so everyone in class had one. So if I had a class of 25, there was only 25 copies and then I would collect them at the end of the period. And then your homework was reading out of the book and that's how we got through stuff. Um, Lisa Marie Skelton <clears throat> is asking, hi, I'm not happy about going back to school tomorrow and I'm having it to test my students on the NW EA state testing. How much, how do you keep a positive and attitude spending so much time on state tests? Look, like, first of all, not being happy to go back to school. Let's just admit that like, not everyone is excited about going back to school tomorrow. It's a hard thing. Like I've had off 
that like there's a part of me that I had a really diff and I talked about this the other week. <clears throat> Christmas is always depressing for me. It's a it's a part thing that I struggle with. And then coming out of that, like I love New Year's, which I loved and I really enjoyed, but there was a whole bunch of stuff I hoped to get done over break that I just didn't get done. Some stuff I did, some stuff I didn't. Um, and then I just made myself do a lot of relaxing. And so the problem with relaxing is it makes you want to keep relaxing. So I am setting the stakes very low for myself going back. I am don't have any huge explosive ideas. There are things coming up that I'm excited about. And I'm going to tell my students about that. I plan on going in, just like I said, and getting my kids excited about the rest of the year. But I am not going in with anything killer tomorrow, right? I have exactly what I'm going to do tomorrow and for the rest of the week planned out. And that's it. And then my preps are going to be mine. I don't plan on giving any assignments that there's going to be any grades for except for a vocab test and a reading quiz on Friday. But those are very short and I can grade them very quickly. Um, but that is kind of what I'm planning for the week. And so that helps me to feel less anxious because I know exactly what's coming forward. Um, th with the state test, it's, I think it's about the way I, I, I don't, I don't teach to the test at all. The way I, I get kids ready for the test with regular stuff is I have what I'm doing mirror some of the ways that the test asks you. So we, when we read in class, we read for grit because most students don't do well on reading sections because either they don't have the base knowledge to really understand what they're talking about. So if there's a thing about chimpanzees, uh, article about chimpanzees and your kids don't know what chimpanzee is, then they're pretty screwed. Or about coral reefs, but your kids are like, what the hell's a coral reef? I've never seen a coral reef. I don't know about that. We didn't learn about it. It makes it hard to read about. Um, so trying to share some base knowledge that you know might show up in the test can help. Um, also trying to read for longer periods of time and letting your students know like, yo, we're reading for grit because we're trying to build that muscle to be able to read on the test. The other thing is having my test mirror what the test look like. So making sure I'm asking questions in a similar way that the state test or that the SAT is going to ask them, making sure that it has the same types of choices, making sure that it looks as much like it as possible. So that is in a way, I guess I am sort of teaching to the test in that particular way. Um, and then I just tell kids like, look, sometimes stuff's not fun. Like there's, there's stuff I have to do in my life that's just not enjoyable. How can we take the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down? How can we make this into something that's a little bit more enjoyable and, and let the kids know that you're trying to like, you know, you're, you're essentially trying to like put lipstick on a cow, which is, that's a really dumb saying. Where who came up with that? Lipstick on a cow? Like I don't even turd. know. Yeah, that's what, I was going to say that, but that's grosser. And Beavis and Butt already said that. Um, <laughs> can't polish a turd, Beavis. Well, you could, but it would be all messy and disgusting. Um, but it's like, you know, it's like trying to put wax on like a crappy car. Because I don't really think that, I don't think cows have lips. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know. Um, but it's, it's, that's what I'm trying to do is, acknowledge the thing, acknowledge that it sucks. How can we make this better? And maybe just ask your question, your students that like, what can we do? Like, do you guys have any ideas of what we could do to make this better? And then go with that. Like, be like the next day, come in and say, all right, I thought about it. So-and-so had a great idea. Josiah had this great idea. This is what we're going to do today. And this is how we're going to make this better. Because you know what? Because this test, planning for this sucks. 
trying to trying to get ready for this sucks, but let's try and make it the best we can possibly. Going to the gym sucks, but how can we make it better? Running every day for a year sucked, but this is how I made it better. And so that's what I would try and do. It's just and being real with kids. I think it's being real, but, like, but not being that. apathetic, right. right? So it's like you can share your disdain for what it is, but it's like, it's almost like, it's like. Yeah, because you have to do stuff in life that just isn't this fun. This should suck. How is our class going to make it awesome? Yeah. And I do that every year when we have to do declamations, like, which is memorizing like certain numbers of, of like you're memorizing a certain number of lines from Shakespeare and having to recite them in front of the class. The kids hate doing it every year, but every year we just make it something awesome. That's like fun to practice for, fun to get ready for, fun to try and do in front of the class as much as possible. And that's yeah. what you're trying to do. Um, Timmy R is asking new teacher question. Awesome, man. Um, starting teaching job tomorrow, Tim, mid-year teaching position. Whoa, risky. Not, not really risky. It's just wild. Uh, as a new teacher starting mid-year at an urban charter school, do you or anyone have any advice for the first day? Timmy, I would say, look, man, um, the problem you're walking into, the trouble you're walking into, some of it can't be planned for. And this is why. Because either that teacher that you're replacing was loved and you have to live up to their hype or they weren't. Maybe the kids just liked them because they knew they were leaving and so they didn't really care. And now you're going to hold them accountable. And they're like, no, we don't get held accountable in this class because, you know, Miss So-and-so left mid-year. And the kids don't really know that she was like slacking and letting them get away with murder because they, she didn't really care anymore. But you're, that's what you're going into. Or it was someone that the kids feel like they either ran out of the school with their behavior um, or a teacher that like really sucked and had zero classroom management. So this is a class we're used to getting away with stuff in that we don't now. If I had to, if I was in your position, I would go in and immediately be visual. Like you want to be in the hallway at the beginning of the day, the hallway at the end of the day, you want to be shaking hands to every single kid that walks in your classroom um, let them sit wherever they want on that first day till you get things settled and then go in and be like, this is who I am. I make a short PowerPoint of 10 slides. It could just be 10 pictures. You don't have to really do it tomorrow because it's short notice, but like, um, it could be the next day. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is who I am outside of school. I want you to know that this year has been maybe a little bit uncertain for you. You've had different teachers and maybe I'm the second or the third or the fourth, whatever. But I need you to know that more than anything, I want to be here. And I'm excited about doing this with you all. And even if this class sucked before, I'm gonna do everything I can to make it suck less. Like this doesn't have to be, I don't care if you love my class, you might hate school. I want you to hate this class the least. That's what I'm trying to get after in here. And then, um, on my website, you can go on my website, realrapwithreynolds.com, and I have a Who Am I sheet that is um, like a questionnaire for students and tell students, I'm actually going to read this. I want to know more about you because I'm going to teach through the lens of what you actually care about. I need to know what you're getting down with because I realize that even if I'm 22, I'm old in your eyes. Like I'm like at 43, my students think I'm like five minutes from death. Like, what am I going to do? Like what, like, what can I know about you that's going to make me a better teacher? Because some people learn better through projects. Some people like being left alone. Some people like reading as a group. Some people like reading individually. Some people like hip hop. Some people like rock music. Some people like manga. Like, what are you into that's going to give me insight 
um, and help me to be a better teacher. And then just know that this is not something that maybe, maybe, maybe you'll knock it out of the park in the first week. I have zero idea. But if you don't, if you feel like it's a struggle, if you feel like it's hard, it's about building relationships with those students. And once you start doing that, that will really, really help you in, in your job. Like in, it will, you'll start to get there by the end of the year, um, or at least by spring break, you'll feel a level of success. And so look, if that, the, the two other things I would offer you is I have a video called my, what I do on my first day, what I do on my second day and classroom management video. Those are, and there's one that's called like surviving my first year of teacher video or something like that. I don't know. I have, I, it's the one, the stupid thumbnail that I put my face on the rock's body. Those might be of help too. And going to the Facebook group, real rapid teacher talk might help as well. Um, and showing up on here might be of use to you every week also to just sort of like share what's going on and, and get some help. Um, so next, that was an interesting comment that that jackass just put up on that. Mm -hmm. Um, who's, who's on that job? Me and Tracy uh, oh, the same you, you're looking, you and Tracy crushing it on there, getting rid of knuckleheads. Uh, metamorphosis is asked, it's a wild name. Uh, as a future educator, what are some, what's some advice after college, uh, and is the teaching field worth it to you at the moment? So look, I think it, th that's almost not a fair question for me to answer. And I'm going to tell you why. Like in terms of, is it worth it to me? I like being put in situations that are, that most people hate. Like, like I've rarely had a job in my life that I did not like. Um, we used to work at Home Depot and everyone hated working there. I loved it. I thought it was like the greatest job ever. Like, and I would make it harder for myself. Like when, when I would work at Home Depot and can we get rid of that dude? Yeah, he did. Sure. All right. So, uh, we, there were pallets in the overhead, right? And people would like, you have to get a forklift. You have to drop it down. People would put away maybe two of those a day. I would put away 32 pallets of product every single day. And I would run while I was doing it because no one's stealing my joy. Like, like I have to do this much, watch me do this much. I just like that kind of idea. So it's like, you know, and th that ebbs and flows because school is difficult, but like, um, I just like that kind of a, a thing. I think, I think teaching is always worth it. And the reason I think teaching is worth it is because it's a pound of, uh, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. When we're looking at students, when we're looking at the school to prison pipeline, how do we get in front of that is by educating kids, by teaching them things like readers are leaders, by teaching them that they have worth, the teaching them that where they come from does not determine where they're going, to teach kids that they um, that their story means something and they should get used to sharing it and realize that all that they went through is actually empowering and not just something that's going to keep them down in their lives. And so teaching math and English and science, those subjects are important, but I'm talking about those skills are we're teaching young people that they have value is immensely important, no matter what school you're teaching at, no matter how crappy it is, no matter how little you're getting paid, like figuring out ways to do that is really important. And so like the money thing is, is tricky, no doubt. Like it's hard to get paid nothing. Um, but you start figuring out ways to do that because, you know, that's, that's the tricky part about the education system is they kind of have you because they know that you care. And so they capitalize on that and they don't pay you enough. And it's like when they've got you by the heart, it's kind of hard to deal with that. And so um, 
but I'm working on that. I want you to know. And so uh, outside of college, I would say start teaching. That's the thing you should start doing right away is find a job tutoring, find a job working for VIP kid or dot IBC. I'm not really affiliated with either one of those companies. So like I'm not, this is an advertisement for them. Um, find, go back to a school that you went to when you were a kid and see if you can start tutoring kids after school or working for an after school program. Something like that is going to be the best way to kind of jump in. Um, Tina is asking question. Is there anyone who is questioning traditional grading methods? What are you using or doing differently? Um, <clears throat> I, so look, a lot of times that has to do with schools. Like what are schools, what is your school's policy on stuff? And to be honest with you, like, look, I'll say this right on the internet. Um, I, I just choose not to do the things I am required to do sometimes, or I am will. I, I'm blessed to work with people that I can go speak to and say, I don't like the way this is going down. I want to do something different. Um, and then I have those conversations with like the head of curriculum, like our head of curriculum is like a really open guy that I think I can go to and share things with. And then we can work things out when necessary. Um, cause I don't like the way, or my department head, or like, if I don't like the way that this program that we purchased is grading the students, I would like to do it this way. And what you're doing is grading students on ability and not on like, like, so their 70 is actually like, well, you're on a second grade reading level and you got a 70 on something like, hooray, like that's amazing. So let's grade it accordingly. Let's give you the credit you deserve for like, so look, if I can do 10 pull-ups a night, and I'm pointing over here at my ridiculous pull-up bar that now hangs in my kitchen door. Um, if I can do 10 pull-ups a night, that's a big deal for me. But if David Goggins, like we were talking about, or someone that's actually strong can do 10 pull-ups is like, bro, that's not even, you're not breaking a sweat. Like, come on, get after it. But for me, that's a huge deal. Running a mile a day for me was huge. But like for someone that runs, Adam Welcome wouldn't even break a sweat a mile a day. Like he'd run a mile a day. I don't know, just for fun. Like uh, he runs <clears throat> like eight miles a day for fun. Yeah, and he <laughs> like, but the difference is he likes it, right? Yeah. So like it's, it is about, is us looking at students and their abilities. Everything so I think trying to have those conversations with, with students is, and with your school is the best way to kind of deal with that. Um, I think this is a good question too for the Facebook group. I'll bet you get like a ton of great answers in there as well um, to see how you, how you can pull that off. Uh, Caitlin is asking, um, favorite ways to start class. I'm a I'm a student teacher halfway through my internship year and work with high school students, always open for creative ways to shift students' attention. I think Caitlin, um, I like setting the space. And so like Burgess talks, Dave Burgess talks about this a lot in, in his book, which is a book worth getting is what it's called. Um, I, like setting the mood with something. So the lights look a certain way. There's a certain type of music on. There's a picture or a video or an image. When you walk into the room, I'm not starting it after I walk in. It's already playing and it's going to evoke some sort of feeling in you or get you thinking about something. Or even if that thinking is like, what the hell does he have? Like that picture of the circus up there or of uh lightning striking or like whatever or spooky music or why are there candles lit in the front of the room? I get by like uh battery candles a lot from the dollar store. Like why are those, why are there candles all over the place in a rocking chair in the front of the room? Why are the, are the windows all blacked out today? Like why are the desks in a circle? You are creating engagement just by the mere 
but just merely by the way your room looks because you changed something up because you did something because you created a mood because you created this this feeling for students when they walk in and that's a fun way to do it too and there's a million ideas on how to do that but i would say rather than me just spouting them off like i just think burgess's book is is well worth the money i do not recommend teacher books very often um because i don't really have the time to read them and i'm just like i just have other interests it's like it's not where i go to get inspired is, is teacher books which is the irony of that is i wrote a teacher book um <laughs> but uh dave burgess's book teach like a pirate is where i would go to find all those hooks i just i just Oh gosh, I'm really preoccupied. I'm very sorry. Someone commented on my emergency belly button surgery. I know. Drinking out of my mason jar here. I'm making you <clears throat> started late. Okay. Go. I will I will go for as long as you tell me to. Okay. Uh I'm starving to death. I just want you to know that. But other than that, Rebecca <laughs> Wood is asking. Um you don't need food. I don't know. <laughs> Goggins would say, keep going. Yeah. I'm super excited to start student teaching tomorrow. I've been working all break to get lesson plans ready, but how do you how do I introduce myself? How much personal information should I share on the first day? Rebecca, that's a great question. I just sort of answered this for someone else, so I'll give you the abbreviated version, but I'll say go take a look at my what do I do my first day and what do I do my second day of school videos. That if you go on my website, my YouTube channel, there just type in first and second day and it'll pop right up. I would say it is for me sharing who I am and what I'm about gives students a sense that I'm bigger than the person standing in front of you, that I'm more than just a teacher, that I'm a father, that I'm a husband, that I'm a woodworker, I'm a drummer, I wanted to be a clown, I wanted to be a priest, um, I'm a YouTuber, I do speaking engagements, I travel, I like certain kinds of food, I really, really love my dog, Bentley Chewbacca, Sam Elliott Reynolds. Um, it like all those things make you, they give you a sense of who this person is. It's the same reason that before we read any book in class, I go over who the author is because knowing who the author is, having a sense of who they are informs your experience when you're reading it. The same way that I want to know, like if I hear a song that I like, I want to know about the artist. I want to know, well, where are they from and what's their background and where do, like where do they, what are they coming out of? And that's going to inform. So if you like, you know, um, if my students like uh, an artist like A Boogie or T.I. or 2 Chains, like it, when you know who the hip hop artist is and where they come from and, and what their story is, it, you listen to what they're saying differently. And so I share a lot with my students. I have them do this thing <clears throat> called the life map. And in the life map, um, it's 10 moments between birth and now that made you who, into who the person that you are today. And I do my own life map and I talk about things like how I lost my mom or I lost my dad when I was four, my mom when I was 22. I talk about how I was the only male in, on, in my family to ever graduate from college at the time that I graduated from college uh, or the, from high school. Uh, no one had ever graduated from high school before. And like how I went on to college and how my family didn't think that was a good idea, how music helped me growing up. All the things that made me into the human being I am today, I put in that and that gives them a sense of who I am. And then when they share those projects with me, I get a sense of who they are and that really, really helps. So that's that's how I would do it. Um, and then just make sure you're building relationships. I keep saying this over and over and over again, it cannot be understated. Getting to know your students will make you a better teacher. And last bit of advice for in, uh, anyone that's doing student teaching is 
I still keep up with the kids I student taught with years ago. I had brown hair, no kids, and I was barely married. Um, but that is treat these relationships as such. They can still grow, even though you only know them for a few months, they're still kids that you can possibly keep up with like for years to come. And it makes it really, um, it makes it really fun because you feel like you're actually impacting people. Like I get kids that are like, you were one of my favorite teachers I ever had. And I didn't even know what the hell I was doing back then. I was like, like flying by the seat of my pants when I was student teaching, but to have had an impact on someone, um, know that you can do the same thing, like starting tomorrow. Uh, Kimberly is asking, can you have, can you give more details about how you introduce your point system to your students? I watched your video, but I would love to hear how you describe it to your students. So Kim, I actually, the point system is, I still do it, but like I'm, I'm trying to move away from grading kids on anything that is not great, giving them a grade on their mastery of something. So I don't want to grade behavior. Um, but I do for some classes because they need it, because they grew up with it, because that's what they expect. And it's not a battle worth fighting. So I do it. And that's, that's probably a much larger conversation, but in short, I give students 20 points a week. Um, they get four points a day. And those points are based on whether or not you are participating or being an active part of the class. So it doesn't mean that you're reading or answering something out loud or um, like it means like, are you doing the work? Like, because, and this is why some students struggle on tests. Some kids struggle to participate and be uh, active out loud member of the class because they are too insecure or they're introverted or they just don't like like they don't think highly of themselves so they don't like think that what they say is going to add value or they think people are going to laugh at them so when i'm walking around the room are you work doing the work that you were doing are you on time to class are you putting away what i'm asking you to put away getting out what i need you to get out like those sorts of skills are you doing those is actually adding value to your grade so if you don't test well, if quizzes are a hard time for you, if group activities are difficult for you, is a for me, it's not a it's not about penalizing students, it's about adding value to their grade because they are doing these other things that are going to help them to still become great and master the content. Now, I do take points off if you're late to class because guess what? You can't participate if you weren't here. So if you get four participation points and you weren't here for a quarter of the time, now you lost one quarter of your points. If you are talking over other people, it, there is something insane to students that I could say, bro, you're, it's really about respecting other people. It's really about learning to be an active listener so you can have a better argument. It's really about being a part of a classroom community. But if I say, you're talking too much out of turn, um, I need to stop. Uh, maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe if I say you're not respecting other people in the class, maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. But if I say, bro, you just lost a point. Yo, that's like, that's like shots fired. Like, what do you mean? I lost a point. Maybe shots fired isn't a good metaphor. Yeah, no, was, terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. Idea. But <laughs> it, that snaps kids back into reality. And now they've, I lost something is like me taking money out of your paycheck. Um, if that paycheck is your grade. And so that that's why I do it and how I, I talk to students about it. It is talking to them about, here's a way that you can increase your grade by being an active 
even quiet participant in our class. Now, um, and it is a way, it is, it's never about talking to students about this is how I'm going to penalize you for not doing a thing. It's about, no, you're, you're like, you got a point for coming on time. Hooray. You got a point on putting your stuff away. You got a point for answering questions out loud or for reading aloud or for doing your work when I looked over or for being a part of your group. This is all bringing something to your grade. And I am like applauding you for that and, and crediting you for doing that. So that's what it's about. Um, that one dreamer is asking a question. Is it hard to organize your thoughts when you are starting off teaching, planning or creating web content on conversational French and not sure I have my thoughts together yet. Any tips? Um, I like, I write everything out. So one, I would say steal ideas from people. Do not recreate the wheel. Go on some website somewhere, connect with some teacher. Oh, wait, some I just want to say, I hate that you say steal because steal implies that you're taking someone's idea and saying it's your own you know what i'm saying okay, like borrowing like or share ideas that's what teachers recycling. should be doing yeah recycle like take it and and twist it into your own is kind of like what you do i mean you don't yeah i just feel like stealing is such a a, a bad word yeah all right so i would say <laughs> it's like teaching Sorry. like a dj right which is yes. a chapter in the be, book called teach fluid, like a dj i think a fluid is a good word too yeah teaching like a dj part of that is this idea of like djs don't make their own music they just figure out what jams to play at what time to yeah. get the people moving right so when you're teaching like a dj you're reading your audience and you're figuring out what jams you're going to play i didn't write any of the songs that i'm djing um so you can do that the same way as a teacher and so you are looking online for other people's content and then i literally have gone so far as to tape all those lessons to the wall and figure out what parts I like, what parts I don't, and then putting those together in, the or in a sense that I feel is organized and then implementing them. Every unit is only five weeks. So I reverse engineer from the introduction to the final exam is a five week period. And then if I reverse engineer that, I figure out what do I need to get done within five weeks to, to, so that I can reach my goal and that's that's how I get done. So I break it apart. Like if I'm reading a book and it has this many pages, how many pages do I need to read a day? How many? And then where does that line up? And then where do my quizzes line up? So if I read through this chap, this many chapters, where is there a quiz? Where is there vocab? Where is there journal entries? Like what applies to what? Like that's how I John Lopez do it. Really great. Um, DJs use samples and build up from there. Yes. So that's that's a great idea, John. That's pretty much um, what you do. Yeah. And and that's. So that's what you're trying to figure out um, in doing that. But I would say definitely borrowing stuff from other people is a really good idea instead of trying to recreate the wheel. Because then someone's already done a really good job anyway. Honor them and borrow their stuff. And, and that's how I do it. Just a few more. Uh, Kim Wallback is asking, question, I'm a para with a student who's, who sleeps through every one of his classes. Any ideas? So I think... I have had students like this, and to me, there's always something outside of class that's affecting that. So do I have a – because I've had tons of kids that just, like, refuse to wake up. Uh, but I don't let them just do it. I bring it to someone else's attention. So whether that's a social worker or your lead teacher or the principal or someone else, um, you are – that's what you're trying to do is connect with – connect them with someone else and then 
helping them to yeah <laughs> yeah are so dumb sometimes uh you are you're it's distracting um you are trying to shed light on what the actual problem is so it's like you sleeping in class is a symptom of something else that's going on so figure out what the problem is solve that and then being an active participant in class becomes easy after that but like you don't know what someone's going through like if they're depressed or if they're sad if someone's dying at home if someone got divorced if their parents don't really love them if they're in um foster care system like whatever's going on like there's something going on there so it's about trying to get to the root of that problem maybe talking to that student maybe taking them to someone that can talk to them uh, maybe calling home and seeing like, hey, is there anything I should know? This keeps happening in class every day. And not saying, hey, this keeps happening in class every day. You're going to get in trouble. It's I'm just trying to figure out what's what's going on here. And, and if there's a way that I can help. Um, this that's is your right. last question, but you can. we're going to skip all the way down to him because he's new here. And it's the first time. Teacher Willie. Wait, where? Oh, Teacher Willie? Yeah. Okay, cool. So Teacher Willie is asking, I have 20 minutes alone and every student every week Wait, I'm sorry. I have 20 students. Oh my gosh. Tonight, I swear I'm learning how to read <laughs> as I do this. I have 20 minutes alone with every student every week. That is fantastic. Any tips on how to use this time as good as possible when it comes to students who don't need a lot of extra help, still want to give some value? So earlier, I'll say he got a lot of advice, like how to build relationships and stuff like yeah. that. He said he had to like know everybody's name and like, he's a first year teacher and like he had to it was like building relationships and how do you get to know your students so i thought you could so i think one of the things i love to talk about with students when i have like these one-on-one -on -one encounters with students is helping them to reverse engineer whatever they're trying to get after so one is learning about students like just listening to kids talk about stuff about like, where do you live? Who do you live with? How many people live in your house? Do you have your own room? What do you do after school? Um, what's your favorite snack? What's your favorite place to go out and eat? Like, who is your hero in your life? Like just questions like that start giving you a sense of who this individual is. And then you start noticing like, well, you are like, like what is happening outside of school and how's that affecting what's happening inside of school? Like, are you getting a ton of support and that's making you a really strong student? And then if that you do have that strong student, how can they help a student that is uh, lacking in some area or needs some love or some help in some area? I think also it is a time for students to learn about who you are, right? And, and what you're doing is teachers often over, they think they can get more done more than they can in a year, but they, they don't think about what they can get done in four years. So being a ninth grade teacher, I very rarely look at the success that a student has in ninth grade year and how that, like, that's not the be all end all for me. For me, it's senior year or beyond because I have kids that I keep up with well beyond high school. And so what I'm doing is setting the stage ninth grade year so that I can keep building those relationships through 12th grade year and, and beyond, like I said. So you think if you think about it that way, it's like, we're just getting started. Like these 20 minute conversations we're having once a week are really building into something that's going to be much more longer lasting and much more impactful to you than you even think they are going to be. And then I would also start figuring out um, how students learn or how they like to learn or what they like, because then you can use that information. So when I know 
that last year, all of my students were really into Marvel movies. I started watching Marvel movies because I wanted to teach through the lens of Marvel. I started connecting the hero's journey and the odyssey to things that were happening in the Avengers and in Captain America in uh, not the Hulk because that movie kind of sucked. But like um, it is like th that's what I'm looking for. When I knew my students liked Fortnite, I started playing Fortnite. And when I knew my students were watching love and hip-hop or they were watching agent carter or the flash i started looking into those shows so that i knew what my students liked and when do i get to do that in those in those off moments in those 20 minute sections they have with students you're talking about things and then you can even start pulling in educational things in those conversations so like you're talking about when you're watching all watching game of thrones together like we've been doing for the last few years it's talking about character traits and imagery and foreshadowing and like it's like we're i'm just casually using these conversations yo that foreshadowing last night was tough the flashback or the flash forward or the imagery or the way that they set that scene up like you're pulling in i would pull in like these literature like terms and then it became a real thing in class where like we already knew what inference was because we talked about it so much and how it interacted in the walking dead or, or something like that so that's how that's what i would think i would use that Last for one, oh it's a good one. um and good luck yo teacher willie if you need anything else we're here every single sunday night at 5 p.m um and use the facebook group or you can sign up for mentoring on my website and stuff like that too so like just know that those things exist to just help teachers uh summer hayward is asking how do you toe the line between an authentic relationship with a student and not being too friendly the perception that you are being uh that you are also being unprofessional this is a question i get all the time because i am extremely friendly with my students but i let them know that this is the deal i our friendship is not the most important thing to me what the most important thing to me is you being successful and so sometimes if you think about your best friends right and i'm not calling myself their best friend i, I think of myself as a mentor and not a friend um your best friends can call you on your stuff, right? They're the ones that go, bro, you're being out of pocket right now. Yo, you're doing too much. I don't even like the way you're talking to me right now. I think your attitude, I think your effort in this position in your life is the stuff that like you need to check yourself on. So my best friends, like the ones that I think of as being in, in covenant with me in, in life are the ones that can say, you're really rude to your wife sometimes, or did you ever notice that you like yell at your kids a little bit too much or that you're that this happened and you didn't even acknowledge that our friend was feeling this type of way? They're the ones that call you on your stuff. They're the people that are the closest to you. So here's the thing. Teachers are going to think whatever teachers want to think. And I, I, I pretty much like just don't even care about that anymore. And that <laughs> takes practice, right? Just asked um, like I, I get teachers that like, will look at you and they're like, oh, Reynolds, he just tries to like be fun, funny with everyone or, or like friends with everyone. It's like, bro, whatever, like get over yourself. Like, like I, I know what I'm about. And so I don't need anyone else to know what I'm about. What I care about is when students come back to you and they go, yo, how could you call my mom? How could you give me an F? How could you not let me hand this in late? I thought we were cool. And my answer is always, bro, we're so cool. We're so cool then I'm going to call you on your shit when you need it. Like, I'm going to call your mom because you're not doing what you need to be doing. And I care this much about you. Have you ever known a football coach that didn't yell at their players or call them on their stuff or make them run the play again? You didn't 
not make them not run the play again, make them not do suicides, make them not run extra laps because you like were like you because you were friends or because you were friendly or something like that. I care so much that I'm willing to do anything it takes, even if that means you don't like me for it, because I care about you so much that I'm willing to do anything it takes to help you to reach your dreams and to be successful. And that's what I think about when I think of, of those sorts of conversations. Um, and look, teachers are going to hate other kids are going to hate people are going to talk trash and they're going to talk trash your whole life. They're going to talk trash because you bought your kids too much for Christmas because you, you do too much because you exercise too much because you go to the gym all the time because you love your wife a lot or your husband a lot because you're too happy all the time. It doesn't even make sense because your lessons are too much because your classroom looks the greatest. Because even though you got stuck with the teacher cart, you have the greatest teacher cart in the history of teacher carts. That thing has Christmas lights on it and there's music and it blows bubbles when you walk down the hallway. Someone's always going to hate. I just don't even notice those people because I'm too busy surrounding myself with people that are encouraging, that are loving, that are that are lifting me up and saying, Dude, that's a great idea. I need to get a bubble blower from my teacher car. We can have a friggin' parade going down the hallway. That's who you are surrounding yourself with. Because to be honest, the, the last thing I want to say is who you surround yourself with is just as important as any other decision you make in your life, right? It's like if you're only hanging out with people that are talking about the past or that are talking about how good it used to be, or are talking about how the school used to be so much better, then you're you're not growing. I wanna be with people that are going, you're gonna do what? Dude, that's 100% awesome. I wanna do it also, or I'm gonna do this, or I'm inspired, and now let's do this together. Let's, like, let me help you out with your dream or your goal or whatever. Those are the people that I love hanging out with the most because those are the people that are helping me grow as a human being. Um, and those other haters can just, I don't know, go, go away. do whatever the hell haters do, <laughs> like whatever. Um, I think, let, let me say this is the last thing. David Goggin says that when you start doing things and other people look at you and think, that person is a psychopath. What are they running in the rain for? Why are they staying at school so late? Why are they putting so much extra effort into making the greatest build, like bulletin board in the hallway of all time when it's not, it's only going to be there for a month. When you start doing uncommon things what you're doing is being uncommon amongst uncommon men and that is i think where most of us people like this that show up on sunday nights to have these conversations that's what we're doing we're trying to be uncommon amongst uncommon people and that's what we do so when everyone else is hating you i want you to remember that everyone on here is is doing the same thing and people like us do things like this and that's that's the bottom line um everybody i hope you have a really great week this week i hope that your first day back tomorrow whether it's student teaching your first day of teaching ever or you've been in it for 20 years and you're just like damn i'm watching as many marvel movies as reynolds and just getting up whenever i want I hope that you have a wonderful day tomorrow, a wonderful week. We'll be back here next week at 5 p.m. Eastern time with any of your questions that you have. Um, if you need help before that, there's mentoring, there's the teacher book, your Facebook group teacher thing, whatever the hell it is. Um, and that's it. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.